If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. Man, what a what a surprising treat that was to hang out with Andy Miller, man. I think that that was such a great call, Sal, on your part. I know that... Uh, we uh, we had a great interview with Mark Mastroff, who is a friend of ours and an old boss, CEO of 24 Hour Fitness, who has a partner in the Sacramento Kings and a business partner in this world of gaming. Man, Get- and he is really into it, yeah. which was, was really fun. I mean, it, somebody that's like investing, like typically, like you see potential in a certain direction, but I mean, he is like fully immersed in this world. Well, what really sparked my interest is, you know, my I have a 13-year-old son, like most 13-year-old kids today in America, uh, he likes to play a lot of video games and he gets real serious about his video games. And this is how him and his friends connect, which is very different than when I, when we were kids where you would go outside and play football or whatever. And so I was talking to my son about this one day and my son was telling me about these professional leagues and I knew they existed, but I had no idea how big they were or how lucrative they were. And so I started looking up like top players and seeing these kids were making tremendous amounts of money and these leagues were, yeah. they were getting more views than Football, baseball, oh, basketball. massive stadiums. It's insane. And then I remembered our interview with Mark Masteroff, and when we talked to him afterwards, he said how he was invested in the eSports arena or gaming arena, and he talked about uh, his partner, Andy. And so I'm like, you know what? It would be – what a great person to interview just to talk about this whole world because yeah, – I Educate us. I firmly believe you know, eSports are going to eclipse uh, traditional sports in, in, in the very near future. That's this a is- very strong statement, and I think he makes that argument in this. I mean, mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. one of the, the questions that we asked. I asked, you know, what do you think the future – of this is in, in in comparing it to regular sports, and he's got a lot of sports knowledge too. So what a great guy to talk about! Oh, he's a fan. He's a fan of all and, these sports. Yeah, and it, I mean, the writing's on the wall. I mean, you see how many professional sports people saw the same thing and are investing in with him too, which is interesting. That's the thing that blew me away. A Rod and Shaquille O'Neal and other professional athletes are actually invested in gaming, professional gaming sports. Um, so it's pretty crazy. And you know, we talked to Andy about like how do you become a professional. What does it look like? What do these competitions look like? How much are players making? What does their training look like? Because, of course, they're professional athletes in in their respective field. What does their training uh, look like? And he actually said that physical fitness, like working out and stuff like that, is part of their routine. And, of course, that makes sense, right? You're sitting in a position for a long period of time. Yeah. Uh, You want to be in top physical shape to be able to play these games that sometimes they play for- they play grueling hours. Yeah, like four hours, five hours. He said some games are nine hours long. And Andy, he's a good, he's a great storyteller. So it's a great podcast. He's very charismatic. He's also a, an extremely successful entrepreneur, mm. having sold two uh, companies before ever investing in esports. Both of which combined, he sold combined for over uh, half a billion dollars. One was two hundred thirty something million. Two hundred seventy. Two fifty and two seventy five. Man, I mean, insane. And it's funny because we talk the first you know, more than half of this podcast all about gaming because that was the original reason why we brought him down here. But I just, there was no way I was going to let this interview go without me peering into his his previous experience in the other business he's ran, which was Quattro, a startup that he started, was a part of, sold that for $250 million, And then he sold his next company uh, over to Apple, where he then ended up being the VP over at Apple. Worked direct, He was the last guy to directly mm-hmm. work 
underneath Steve Jobs. So we get into that a little bit. I had to ask him what it was like. Oh, I'm with- glad you did. Yeah, you gave us some some great stories about Steve Jobs as well. Pretty right. cool. And then he talked about some other things that he invested in towards the end of the episode. One of them is Home Tap, which is actually brilliant if you ask me. So if you're an investor or you like to look into the future of uh, how to potentially invest your money, um, check them out. They're hometap.com. Now, in this episode, we talk about you know things that can help your gaming experience in the sense that you know what's going to improve your performance, how to prevent uh, certain muscle imbalances. One of the things we brought up were blue light blocking glasses. We know of the the dangers that blue light pose to your your eyes and your cognition right away. Studies now show that blue light is almost always uh, damaging. And Felix Gray is one of our sponsors, and they make these blue light blocking glasses that are designed for day use. They're designed specifically to block out the harmful blue light rays and not the other rays. So your, your brain doesn't think you're in the dark and make you sleepy. It actually still keeps you alert, but protects your, your eyes. Um, if you go to Felix Gray Glasses, that's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com forward slash mind pump, you'll get free shipping and free returns. Um, again, they're one of our sponsors. As far as Alex, uh, excuse me, Andy Miller is concerned, the league that they own uh, is uh, NRG, the letter N, the letter R, the letter G. So you can go to NRG.GG. You can check that out. I think they have a, a big tournament, right? The California Cup coming up. Yeah, that's uh, November, November 10th. November 10th in Oakland. Uh, he invited us. I hope we can make it. That's going to be really, yeah. that'll be really interesting. Um, and then uh, I guess you can get the details on Instagram at SF Shock. So that's SF and then the word shock, S H O C K. Go check that out. Uh, before we start the interview, I do want to remind everybody that this month, MAPS Aesthetic, our bodybuilder, physique competitor, and bikini competitor program, is 50% off. If you go to mapsblack.com, make sure you use the code BLACK50. That's B L A C K and the number 50 for 50% off. And if you have any questions on other MAPS programs, uh, go to uh, mapsfitnessproducts.com. Um, and that's it. Without any further ado, here we are talking to Andy Miller. I have a 13-year-old son. He loves uh, gaming. He CSGO, I believe, is his game of, uh, of choice. Plays that all the time. Um, and uh, he, you know, he was telling me how big gaming is uh, in the world and how, I guess, much money... Uh, some of these athletes will make, and there's leagues, these mass, and I was totally oblivious to this, so I started looking into it, and I was blown away, um, uh, blown away by the the the, the, the professional sports, the professional leagues. So you know, we had um, we had our friend uh, Mark Masteroff on the show, and we talked to him about the gym industry and whatnot. And then he told us off air that he was invested in uh, in esports, and then he told us about you, and I think it's absolutely fascinating. Admittedly, we don't know a whole lot. Sure about that space. Um, so maybe you could kind of, what's your background? How did you get into it? And then sure. what is it? what does it look like? What does this whole space look like right now? Great. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So uh, my background is entrepreneur, started a couple companies. I'm from Boston, uh, definitely Boston sports kid, grew up you know, playing all sports, loved the Red Sox and the Patriots and Celtics especially. And uh, started a couple companies, um, and I was fortunate enough that one of them Apple bought. So I moved out here, and I worked for Steve Jobs at Apple for a couple of years, and had some money now. And I went, um, actually went and bought into a minor league baseball team out in Modesto, the Modesto Nuts, which were the Rockies' single A team. I loved it. I love baseball, <laughs> uh, but you know, you don't do anything as an owner there between the white lines. It's like the movie theater business in the minor league baseball. You own the concessions and everything else, but the Rockies handle all the players. 
So I met Mark and uh, a couple other guys, and we um, had been told that there was some serious stuff going down with the Sacramento Kings and that uh, Steve Ballmer was going to buy the team and move him to Seattle. So that's a whole long, ridiculously long story that I let Mark talk about, but it went back and forth. We put a group together, worked with Mayor Kevin Johnson to buy the Kings, and uh, fortunately it didn't get into a bidding war because we never would have survived that with Balmer, um, and got a stadium worked with. That was the key. We got a stadium with mm. the city of Sacramento, kept the, kept the team, Balmer got the Clippers, we got the Kings, built a beautiful stadium, the rest is history. As part of the Kings, uh, we were just you know, looking over the, the the demographic breakdown of the audience. Who's buying season tickets? You know, you look at baseball, which I love so much, and I you know I can't get my kids to watch. We're in the World Series right now. The fucking Red Sox in the World Series. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, hey, are- you want to come up? It's a nice thing. Yeah, I'm playing Fortnite. No, I can't really come up right now. I'm like, oh, please. Oh, my God. Um, it's too long. It's too slow. And the average age of the season ticket holder, I think, is in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Uh, basketball is younger, but it's still old. You know, it's older. And... Um, I started to watch my kids, just like we were talking about earlier, and mm-hmm. what they were playing and what they were watching. The big aha moment for Mark and myself, uh, you know, we sit together at the, at the Kings games, master of, co-owner of the Kings, and uh, we talk, and we have boys around the same age, and we both had boys playing travel sports, big-time travel sports. And my, mine was playing baseball, fortunately, uh, was, past tense. And... Um, I watch these boys, they go all over and they're mm-hmm. total alpha males and they get up at six in the morning and they play baseball in the first game of the tournament all weekend, right? And they're there all day, right? They have four games and two hours of downtime and the parents are sitting there and they didn't talk a word about baseball. Like Bryce Harper never came <laughs> up. Or none, no one ever came up. They were talking about phase clan and, and video and games video games and what yeah. they were playing and that was it and I, and, and I was like do you even play they're like well I don't even play that much because I play baseball but I watch them play I was like where do you watch oh I watch them Twitch. on Twitch I watch yeah. them stream I watch them on YouTube so Such I started watching and I started seeing some of these numbers I'm like uh, okay these guys have bigger audiences than we have for our Kings games <laughs> wow. every day Actually, every minute, concurrence. If you watch on Twitch where they stream, you can see on the bottom, it says how many people are watching right then. 2,000, 4,000, 10,000. We have guys who have 50,000 at a time. And those are concurrence. So maybe a King's broadcast gets, you know, X number, tens of thousands of total households or viewers. These are every minute. So how many people came in and out? You know, if you figure they're streaming for three hours, five hours, some of these guys stream eight hours a day because that's what they do for a living. They'll have hundreds of thousands of people come in and out of their stream a day. Start maybe in uh, Europe, you know, and East Coast and then move to the West Coast as the time zones change. And it's a big business, right? These guys, it was really interesting. So Mark and I said, we got to get into this thing. So we went, we bought a team and uh, we made a ton of mistakes. Uh, The brand's energy, NRG or energy. Everyone pronounces it NRG, which drives me crazy. (laughs) What is is something like that cost? I mean, how do you go, and how does that work? How do you go buy a a team of kids that play video games? It's interesting. So it depends. Like that's a really, actually a really complicated question because you could buy into a league. Like we are now the San Francisco Shock. That's our other brand. So we have 10 teams. Nine of them are NRG or Energy uh, playing all sorts of games like Counter-Strike or uh, Rocket League or Smite or Fortnite or you name it. And one is Overwatch. And all the games and teams have a different structure. So a publisher owns the game. The negative is with the NBA, the Sacramento Kings own one. 30th of the NBA and the commissioner Silver works for the owners. Here, we 
don't own any of the IP because the games are owned by the big publishers, by Tencent or Blizzard or Activision. Mm -hmm. And they can decide, hey, maybe the best way to market our game is to put together a league. Mm -hmm. And some have giant, grandiose uh, visions, like Bobby Kotek, who's a visionary CEO for Blizzard Activision, giant public company. And he's like, I want to build the NBA of esports. And that's yeah. what he did with Overwatch League. And we bought our group, bought the San Francisco franchise for $20 million uh, last year. And the Crafts, the Patriots bought Boston and the Wilpons, the Mets bought New York and Comcast bought Philly. The Cronkies wow. brought LA a team um, there in Seoul, a great team in Seoul, which is like the home of esports. Uh, there's a team in Shanghai, which went 0-40, which was really hard to watch the whole season. <laughs> they didn't get their act together. London won the whole thing. Um, Philadelphia. So uh, we had year one and now we've just expanded to 20 teams. Um, and uh, those franchises go for 30 to $40 million. It's a very structured league all the way down to super fun games like Dragon Ball, which is really hot again, where it's not really a league structure. It's a bunch of individual guys, but there's a structure like you win a minor tournament or, or a semi-major and you get then uh, to play in the, like the national, think of it like golf or, right. or mm -hmm. tennis, the US Open, Wimbledon. Did so this really uh, yeah. this really take off once uh, the online like uh, you were able to connect to like your friends and I mean like as far as the esports go because I remember even back in the day they had tournaments yep. and like uh, even Nintendo would throw tournaments for people to play but I never really saw it take off but I guess I'm just oblivious. No, no, I don't think you are. Like the the idea this has been a watershed year 2018 because of Fortnite which isn't really the greatest esport but it's a awesome game that everyone plays around the world and it doesn't matter who you are. So your eight-year-old can play or I play and I can play together and there's mm -hmm. no, there's no um, skill entry point. So I may end up playing with you. And what happened was it sort of opened eyes to parents, kids, investors, brands like, oh, everybody's kind of a gamer. You know, mm -hmm. we all played something. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. old. I played Atari and television, and I played them all going up and, the, you know, the, the games at the arcade and all the way to now. But now they're realizing, like, you know, everyone's a gamer. We have a, um, a deal. We're the official Energy and Shock are the official esports org of Cal Berkeley. And we are, they have a great um, intercollegiate uh, and club, the biggest gaming club in the world for college, 6,000 students. They just opened the gaming center. We're on the wall. It's terrific like some massive percentage, I forget, of their incoming freshman class. Um, when you identify, are you a liberal? Are you a vegan? Do you like to do this? They identify themselves as a gamer. That's what they do. So they're like, wow, why, we don't need these common areas with TV screens. No one's watching them, right? We need to set up gaming centers and that's how people interact. So like everybody woke up like, okay, the gaming is here now. Then that made this thing uh, get a lot of attention. What year? What year are you talking about right now? This year, right? Oh, this now. is right Everyone's now. Everyone's like okay. now, now, now it's mainstream. Everyone's wow. a gamer now. Oh, it's wow. cool. My son's a nerd. My son's a football player. My son's a debater. They don't talk at all at school, but they go home, they strap on the headset, and they play Overwatch together. Right? <laughs> right? Or they come over the house. I'm like, oh, you're hanging out with the wrestling kids. <laughs> He's like, well, we play Overwatch. Like, okay, um, but if you back up a few years, there's always been the tournaments and the leagues, but they've been. 
been less structured and forma- formulated, uh, formatted. And now when you have structured leagues like the Overwatch League, you have revenue models and business models that are very similar to the NBA. Mm-hmm. So you could get the crafts to say, I get it. I'm going to add this to my empire for the, for the Patriots. Or brands to say, okay, this makes sense. I sponsor the Golden State Warriors. I also want to, because I love Northern California and that's where my brand is, I want to sponsor the SF Shock because that's what they're brand. Now this is obviously like wow. big time. I went on the, your website, the Energy website, and it has a list of investors and it's like Jennifer Lopez and <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal and yeah. there's you know professional athletes on there investing. Yep. It, it looks like a massive investment opportunity uh, at the moment because I, I can only imagine... I mean, gaming worldwide probably already earns more money than than professional sports do. Movies, sure, yeah. sure. Uh, uh, Call of Duty's uh, new uh, version came out. Uh, Black Ops last week did five hundred million during the first weekend. Wasn't, Holy cow! Wow, wasn't Grand Theft Auto? Didn't they break some records in terms of like beating Hollywood's yeah, uh, exactly. top blockbuster yeah. movie? Yeah, think about it. You put out a movie, hit or miss. And if you're lucky, how many movies become a franchise and maybe you get, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark 3 out of it or whatever. Right, yeah. And sometimes they don't work worldwide because the Asian audience is not doesn't understand it or the American audience it doesn't appeal. You put a game out, you get a hit, that game goes forever. You, you were mentioning Counter-Strike earlier. Counter-Strike's been around for like, 20 years. Mm-hmm. League of Legends has been around for a long time. And you have people who come to our matches. We have a very good Counter-Strike team. We're like seventh in the world. And um, you, you look at the audience at those matches. We just had one, an IEM match, which was, uh, sorry, uh, ESL1 and Bar- Barclays Center. And it was, it was not like, we had the Overwatch League finals there and it was two nights sold out both nights. But this was probably 7,000 people there. And I looked around and it was mostly dudes and they were probably all 30 and up, 25 and up because they grew up playing Counter-Strike. Now they have jobs. They can't play Counter-Strike all day, but it's still their game. It's their sport. Like the Red Sox and my <laughs> team, I watch them all day long. These guys are watching the professional teams play the games that they love and their games are Counter-Strike. So <laughs> wow. you've seen that generational shift. Trip. Wow. Yeah. How does how do these, how does it work on the professional level for these competitors? Like, how do they get paid? How do they become a professional? Let's say somebody listening right now yeah. likes to play is really good. Uh, you know, I was talking to my son about this. I have a 13-year-old, as I said earlier, and, you know, I see him play games and I limit his time because he has to do his homework and sure. this, that, and the other. And I'm looking, I'm like, gosh, you know, if you're telling me all this about leagues, like maybe we could turn this into something. Like, what is what are the steps? Yeah, How does that work? Yeah, what are the standards and all that? Is there something they can go off of? Yeah, it depends on the game, mm-hmm. like how much money is involved in the game and how sophisticated. So, the most sophisticated game um, games are probably um, or le- or leagues are League of Legends and now probably Overwatch. Uh, players in League of Legends, it's a giant global game, hundreds of millions of viewers. Their final, their world championship, which is going on now, is get, you know gets two times the Super Bowl audience wow. worldwide. Right? <laughs> a lot of Chinese viewers, but worldwide. worldwide. Yeah. Right. And wow. those players will make, you know, the really good players and the good teams will make, their base salary will be a million dollars a year. Wow, and that, and you know what? They're actually doing themselves somewhat a disservice in a way because if they if they're that popular and they're that good, and they decided I don't want to be a pro because you have to really want to be a pro. You have to grind. You have and you, you're not playing six different games. You're playing League of Legends. You're playing Overwatch every day. You're one of the best in the world at your position. You're either the point guard or you're the center or you're the you know you're the whatever the playmaker. You're the in game leader and. Um, but if you're entertaining and people love you, you could be a streamer like Ninja is for Fortnite and you'll make way more money. 
Wow. Way more money just being streamers. So what they do is they build their audience as pro players and Mm -hmm. then they go, they retire at whatever age they, you know, it happens, 21, 25, depends on the game, Counter-Strike older. And then they become YouTubers and streamers and they make more money doing that. Now, I know with professional sports, you have practice, the team shows up, you do strategy. What does that look like for these teams in these leagues? Do these these people like live together? They they train all day long? What Mm -hmm. does that look like? It's becoming more and more sophisticated, obviously, as professional um, teams are moving in and you have the coaches for the Patriots and the nutritionists for, you know, the Rams. So everyone's sort of figuring that out. Um, It used to be, you know, that... Um, the, the the sort of like the move was to have a team house and you have all your guys in the house and you you live there and you play there uh, online and you have to qualify for the bigger tournaments that you travel to. So think of it like your Counter-Strike, you got to do really well in your online league and then you go to a LAN, which is a local event, you know, and it's a big deal. And then you win that and you go get to go to the, the majors, if you will. Um, and that has been surpassed on some level by the fact that now, like Overwatch League, all of our players live in uh, Burbank. Every team plays in Burbank right now. All the ones, Shanghai, Seoul, everybody lives down there. And we train in a facility. Some people have dedicated facilities. Our guys live in this giant mansion where we have a whole training center down there. And the coaches are there. And they have a very, very rigid schedule. You know, they we, we feed them, make them work out, make them exercise. Uh, we try and actually limit their game time because they're, they want to they want to stream themselves after they practice for eight, ten hours or scrim. You know, we do a lot of scrimming against the other teams a couple times a day, and it's just like being an NBA player. You have your practice, you work on stuff. The coach says, "All right, we're going to do our scrimmage today against." Atlanta, uh, we want to work on this. We don't care if we win or lose, but we want to work on our dive compositions or our plays here. We're going to swap guys in and out and see who has the best communication. And then the coaches are sitting there, the assistant coaches, and they're 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 recording everything. And there's pretty sophisticated software now to take a game apart and look at it from the angle of one player or oh, from wow. a statistical level. <laughs> and then they crazy. do their video review and they say, hey, you know what, uh, Sinatra, who's one of our big stars, where were you today, dude? Like you yeah. missed every signal. You didn't make the play calls. You know, or, so, or you rocked. Are you monitoring their stress and everything too? Like I know I've I've, I've been in, introduced into yes. a lot of the latest like sports science. You know, with with teams behind the scenes, and I was just curious if that's made its way already. I to- think it's um, it needs to more. I think it's actually more heightened with video professional video gaming than any professional sport because if you're LeBron James and you play. And everyone, you know, everywhere you go, everyone knows LeBron James, right? Our guys, everywhere they go, don't know them. Some places they do, mm-hmm. but everywhere they go, they don't. But LeBron James doesn't come home and fire up his Twitch stream, put his face on there, have chat going off on the left side and people telling him, you fucking suck. You blew the game today. <laughs> yeah. or You're unbelievable. I love you. I want to have your baby. And, you, and you're 18 <laughs> years old. And that happens every day for them after every single game worldwide. Wow. They just get bombarded wow. with praise or hate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's hard. You have to be, you have to really want this. You have to work very hard. The good news is, the bad news was, you, there was no path to pro before. It was like you were literally playing in your mom's basement and we see you on the, on the rankings, on the ladders, and you're like the third best player at this particular hero in Overwatch. And we're like, hey, do you want to try out for the San Francisco Shock? And he's like, sure. And we can literally type you in and you're playing, right? As opposed to we have to scout you know, Dominican Republic for a ball player and send them up. And then 
It's like you're on the team, or let's go bring you here and see if you can interact with the players, and you have your, you know, because online everyone can be a hero, but mm-hmm. obviously when you're on a big stage, it's a different story. Oh yeah, and a team. What's what's well, the turnover like? Well, that's the big part, right? So these guys don't. They didn't play on six AAU teams and go to three different high schools and go play for Calipari, and then they're ready to be a pro and had media training. Then so now though, and they were just thrust into it and playing in front of, um, you know, we averaged. You know, hundreds of thousands of viewers a night for a particular game, depending on the team uh, around the world. That's a lot. You know, that's a lot more than mm, almost every NBA team does for their regional broadcast. Mm. So, and they're young. Um, now there's path to pro. So there's some minor league stuff. There's a lot of college scholarships. There's I don't remember how many. Scho- there's college. scholarships. Yes, a lot of Division One scholarships now for um, different games. Overwatch, League of Legends. You just type it in. You can pull it up, and you'll see how many colleges offer. It. This is this is yeah. great. Cal, the, the clubs are huge, um, so you could play. In fact, our guy, we have a guy named Moth from Boston. Who I love their names. Is that a nickname? Is that a nickname or is that a real name? Ninja. Uh, these are all their, yeah. their these are all their handles, right? The funny part is like our guys live they live Samurai. together, right? They yeah. have no idea what their real names are. <laughs> like, hey, Sinatra, come on down here. I'm like, what's Sinatra's real name? Uh, I'm not totally sure. <laughs> Where's he from? Uh, I, I don't know. Like, they only know them as you know Doesn't Moth matter. Sinatra, yeah. right? So Moth was uh, was an exceptionally bright kid, and he was in a like a. a a program at uh, Worcester Polytech, going to get his PhD in something science-related. Big nerd, as a self, self-proclaimed self nerd. Really bright, very smart. He's He plays a position on our team where he keeps track of everything that's going on. He lets everybody know where everybody is and what everyone's sort of power level are and ultimates and things like that. And um, he is now on the World Cup team, which is going to be, he's in the semifinals where we are. Uh, he's on the USA team with Sinatra. So two of our players are two of the six down at BlizzCon in a couple of weeks, and hopefully they're gonna win the World Cup this year. Um, we'll see if they get, get all the way through. But not that long ago, he was in his dorm room at WPI, and he was playing with some like online leagues, and then he got found, and then he made uh, like a minor league team, you know, for, to, to, just for ease of uh, the conversation. And then uh, a contenders team picked him up, which is a, uh, a, te- um, a team that we all have like minor league teams ourselves. Boston picked him up, but it was like their minor league team in Toronto. And we watched him play because we picked one of the coaches from Toronto. And he's like, this kid should be all the way up here. Mm. So in the middle of the season, we bought him and moved him up. And he started for us. And now he's on the World Cup team. And he was in his dorm uh, not even a year ago, not really even in any pro scene. And now he's on the highest level of play. And that won't happen again, I think, you know, as as the scouting gets better and as it gets more sophisticated. Sure. Around, like you can see now that we're in season two. But they're developing all these path to pro levels. So your 13-year-old kid or whatever – you know, if they start playing in tournaments and stuff, um, there's academy teams in Europe, just like for soccer, for pro soccer teams. You know, when you're 15 or 16, mm-hmm. you get on Barcelona's academy team. A bunch of teams have those as well. Because the best players, depending on the game, some games are super young. Like Rocket League, we have 15-year-old players, and some games are much older. Like our captain of our Counter-Strike team is... I don't even know what he is. Twenty six, twenty eight, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. Are they? Are these teams co-ed? I, I mean, I'm assuming because it's not a physical sport, so it's not you know divided by men and women. Can girls compete in them as well? Is it all? There is no reason why they can't, but it's it's still a rare dominated. exception. Sure, there is one woman in all of Overwatch League. Wow, she's wow. on Shanghai and she's Korean. Wow, this is fat. she's and great. Now I read an article where you were being interviewed and you were talking. I can't remember what arena it was. It was a new arena that was just built. 
and you were commenting on it was how it was an advanced arena, how it's going to be perfect for that's the Kings. It was a Kings arena. That's yeah. the Kings arena. Okay, okay. Yeah. And you were saying how it's going to be. Oh, this is going to be a great uh, esports mm-hmm. arena. Do you see this happening more and more? Or I do. Uh, some of the t- some of the the orgs are building their own. So uh, it depends how you want uh, what your business model is. So. Everybody wants to host esports events now. I got actually got two calls today from people in Boston because they saw some article like, "Hey, could you help us host an event?" Um, they have arenas, they have theaters, they want to get eighteen to thirty year olds in there. If you ever go to these events, you'll be blown away. Like it's not well, it's a no brainer, no, right? Because most one of the hardest things, house, one right? of the hardest things for like arenas to do is to make money year round, right? I mean, it's exactly. one thing you have an Full NBA, yeah. right? Right? Yeah. Right? There's a lot of downtimes, yeah. concerts and other things like that yeah. is what you normally fill it with. Yeah. When you got something that's so big like this, I think it's kind of a no brainer that almost everybody's in a. And who do you get? You get eighteen to thirty year olds who are going to spend all day there, and they're fired up because they're finally spending time with their community. That's the real. That's the real secret sauce to all of gaming. If you love Counter Strike, you probably don't like Smite. If I love Smite, I probably don't. I hate Fortnite, right? But if I'm going to go to a Smite event, I'm going to finally be with my people. Like we take it for granted that I love basketball, so I and I love Sacramento, so I can go to a Kings game and hang out with seventeen thousand people and talk basketball. But they haven't ever been able to do that if you're a gamer. You've just been online trying to find your friends who love the same game that you do and you spend so much time at it. Now you get to go to an event where there's 1,000, 10, 20,000 people there who all love the same thing you love for the first time. And it's the only thing where you can, you know, do you ever go to line and walk up to a guy at a football game and be in a beer line, hey, buddy, want to throw a ball around after the game? He'd probably be like, don't touch me, dude, right? (laughs) But what happens at a a professional esports event? You make friends and then you say, trade hands. Handles, right? Yeah, you do, and then you go home and play with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. I can totally. So see they love it, and they they spend they spend they drink a ton of beer. They spend all day there, and it's loud. It is like being at a concert all day. Huh. Long. That's crazy. And now, do they sell tickets to watch them? Is it do you pay to go watch, yeah, or is it free? It's no different than going to the Kings game. Holy, yeah. and then depends on the event, right? Now, how does that work? I'm curious because I was just at the Warriors game the other night, mm-hmm. and you know, as you get closer to courtside, I mean, tickets get really expensive. How do they do the pricing on all that? Is it depends it- on the event. Like um, for they try and make a lot of it more festival seating for the lower bowl. Okay. Um, the Barclays Center sold out for two nights for the World Championship this summer for Overwatch, and there was you know. The so Sold out. Yeah. How many nights. people? Uh, twenty thousand. Wow. Twenty four thousand. And then many, many more watching online. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know how many millions. I mean, we we uh, seven million. I don't remember the total millions. It was for the. It was on ESPN. ESPN mm. one. It was on uh, ABC <laughs> the next right. day. Oh, uh, League of Legends. You know, they had their World Championship a couple of years ago. I believe it was at the Nest in in China. Where in was it Shanghai? Where they had the Olympic, the Olympic Nest, the eighty thousand seat stadium was sold out. Wow. Well, if this is if this is already starting, and I have like my own. This is probably my own high ideas here. This is from smoking too much weed. And <laughs> but I, I also goes great with video games. It does. Right, it does. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. and I think oh, that performance enhancing. I've I've <laughs> speculated on the future of sports already. I just I see what's going on with gaming. I see what's going on with AI. I see all the issues with concussions and injuries and things like that. And it makes me really wonder what the evolution of what we're talking oh, about yeah. is going to look like if there's going to be some sort of an integration of the two. What do you think? How does your yeah, brain work when you see this? Like, What do you see the evolution of this? Yeah, I think that you hit two really big points. Like, We have a, uh, a shock player, uh, Baby Bay. Very handsome, 
beautiful boy who lives an amazing life because he's very popular and he's handsome and I'm sure he has like the most fun of anybody in the Overwatch League <laughs> with his groupie fans but uh, his dad was a semi-pro or pro hockey player and Baby Bay Andre it was, is a pretty amazing hockey player and he was going to go play hockey in college and he's like you know I don't really want to get hit <laughs> uh, my dad is like you know been knocked around for a lot of years and I'm pretty good at this uh, video game thing so I think I'd rather do that and if you go look at the high schools who are having trouble feeling junior varsity football teams mm -hmm. now are not enough kids for a full team because it's tough. These same kids are playing. I guarantee you everybody in that football team is playing uh, playing a video game. Hours. Uh, yeah, hours, right? I, I uh, My son does diving over at Stanford and I pick him up and I was wearing my shock, uh, I think this shirt here, my San Francisco shock shirt, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, the, the, the Stanford football team just finished practice and they walk right by the diving thing and these guys are like, Sinatra, shock, let's go, Overwatch. You guys are going to suck this year, you're going to be good. What? And I'm like, oh, this is great, wow. right? Because they, yeah. you know, I also had a Patriots hat on, but they didn't seem to care about that. Right. Oh, yeah. Man. So, so I, what do you think is going to happen? I think that you're going to see just more and more kids playing, you know, pro gaming uh, because it's uh, maybe a better career for them or safer you know, physically. And um, but then you'll see the merging of the two. Right now, I think everyone thinks it's about who's like the fastest Twitch kid and who you know mm. who can move the quickest to, to shoot or to move around. Right. It's really who makes the best decisions. Like the Korean kids are, they win everything and they're incredibly uh, disciplined and incredibly quick at looking at all these probabilities as to what's happening out there and making the right decision and then letting them know. There's Baby Bay up there, mm. letting them know what. Um, you know, letting everybody know where to go uh, and what to do. And um, I think you're, you'll start to see with virtual reality, with some of these, we've already seen uh, video games where they put you in the game uh, yeah. instead of playing it with your mouse and keyboard, you're running around. So it's with literally the like headset. Ready Player One. Yeah. yeah. So I think you'll see an athletic component to it as well. That's in right. The future. Wow. And every well, game will be different. Some games will be. Omni some treadmills and everything. Yeah. And, yeah those oh, are wow. pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. What are So you talked about the, the Korean kids. Are there different styles of play from different regions? Like, yes. Oh, really? And oh, so yeah. you could tell, you could see. Oh, yeah. Most everybody tries to copy the Korean style for the games that they dominate in. Why are they now? Why are they so good? Is it they? Do they spend more time playing? Does the culture embrace it more? Oh, the culture definitely embraces it. It's mm. prime time TV. It they're has like, been. They're since like the, Patri the Patriots of gaming. They are right. Right. <laughs> it's prime time most TV. of video games. They did. They? They'll sell out everything. Yeah. If you're on an important team in Korea, South Korea, you are Justin Bieber. I mean, they, really? Yeah. There's the Seoul Dynasty, which is our, our uh, Korean Overwatch entry. They had a going away party for their boys to come to America to play in the league. And they sold the whole thing out and it was live and it was all girls. I was screaming. You would, it was like, you know, those Beatles <laughs> so videos, weird. screaming. Oh, forget it now. I now mean, all the boys are going to want to play. <laughs> oh, believe it, yeah. Uh, but the, the the South Korean teams are, they're very disciplined. No one really wants to pop off and be the hero. Like, baby, baby, he, like, if he does something great, he's thrown on the headset. He's like, oh, let's go. You know, there, yeah. that's like, no, my team won, terrific, or my team lost. I don't care if I did well. Wow. Uh, but they're just very structured in their thinking. So it's all about understanding everything that's going on and, and going to the highest probability option. Mm. And they have to do that in, in a split. I think there's something like 250,000 different you know, combinations of things that could happen in an Overwatch game. Mm. And someone has to go through all that stuff. Like Moth is our example of mm. that guy. It's going to be interesting wow. because what we saw with sports as sports or, or traditional sports, I should say, as they evolved, 
you saw the kind of the democratization in the sense that you know wide receivers all started looking a particular way mm-hmm. and linemen all started looking a particular way and you started to see you know genetics play a larger role with gaming it's going to be much it's it's much different right it's it's just how smart or it, you are or is it i mean i don't gonna, know you're going to have ki- i imagine and i'm sure you cuz you're great with the sports analogies here i i bet you could say that there's probably kids that are better leaders who are probably running the floor or running the team and letting them letting them know got that sports back yeah. right right yeah. so Charisma. that, that yeah. takes on leadership there's probably other guys that don't need the limelight that can hang back and probably be yeah, more different right yeah so it, i bet it, you it's it depending on the game but communication is number one right. like if you don't if your guys can't communicate on an incredibly quick level and be super intuitive you know like the old i remember like the old celtics te- celtics games larry bird when they won whatever it was they lost like four games or something they would say that their practice was harder than their games and they would kill each other green versus white in their in their practices as opposed to the games which was like whatever and by the time they got in the games they knew everybody knew where everybody was going to be and there was just an unspoken communication like you need to get to that level well that's we see that exactly i talk about this on our show all the time. i'm a diehard warriors fan i mean i think we're seeing that happen with them right now i mean you see the the way these guys yeah. just know where each other are yeah it's i would think it's very similar it's mm-hmm. just you're not going to see body types mm-hmm. as much as you're going to see but you're going to see the mental difference but we are starting to see some on the body type oh so shit, th- really? this guy is is, is baby bay is is ripped and and um and you're you can't not work out anymore you yeah, can't great. not That's a great point. eat well you they it's a lot of it's a, it's a long day it's hard and some of these games go on a long time counter-strike our guys just played uh, in a very condensed ridiculous two-week span they must have played 30 games because hmm. of the way that the, the, it worked they played at nine o'clock in the morning then they had another game at two o'clock then another game at 10 o'clock at night uh, sometimes the game, you know, they're all over the place and it's exhausting. And then you got to get up the next day and do it again. Uh, you, you know, you need to get into real shape to be able to do this. We were speculating this uh, earlier when I had first, you know, scheduled you for uh, for this interview. And I said, you know, we see as personal trainers, these, these what we call muscle imbalances or posture deviations that are becoming more common nowadays because we work on computers and we're in desk, mm-hmm. forward shoulder, forward head, a lot of these different issues. And I was talking to the guys, I'm like, you know, with the popularity of, of eSports just exploding, it would make sense to have these dedicated workout programs to fight some of those things. And you're saying it improves their performance in the gaming as well. Without a doubt, yeah. Wow, doubt. wow. And so you guys are making this part of their training. We're trying. Yeah, we have a we have a really popular streamer um, named King Richard who plays Fortnite, and um, he's a pro, but he's he's an entertainer and he streams. But he he likes to just grind and get at it ten hours at a time. And we were talking last night. He's like, I I can't stream today or tomorrow. I think my neck is done. I must have been you know hunched mm-hmm. over for ten mm-hmm. hours. And if he doesn't stream for a couple of days, he loses a lot of mm-hmm. money. You know, so like it's it's a, it's a living for them for the real hardcore competitors. It's an advantage. So it's really I think that's about the last year, year and a half where oh the Patriots are having their nutritionists and their trainers come work with mm-hmm. their guys, and uh, you know the guys just can't sit you know in a room and, and play video games. Now, anyway. has there been any um, innovations as far as like gesturing or like things that they've considered in terms of like helping out with these types of recruitment patterns and these locked positions that they're in the whole time? Um, there needs to be more. There's a lot with the equipment. So uh, the chair, the, mm. the, the mouse, uh, the keyboard. Um, there's even now mobile games are becoming esports as well. So Arena of Valor is owned by Tencent, which is the biggest mobile game in the world. It's a lot different when you're doing this mm-hmm. than when you're, you know, you're, 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 you're on a mouse and keyboard. Uh, we have a lot to learn there uh, for sure. Um, and it's sort of, it's a young man's sport because it's so demanding right now. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine. Mm-hmm. And, and the travel's brutal depending on the teams. Counter-Strike guys, our Counter-Strike guys are good. So they've won and they 
they've been invited to everything. I, I was just looking at they've been to Russia twice. They've been to Australia. They've been to Poland, all over Europe, London, Dallas, New York, Chicago. Uh, I, I mean, it, it's wow, mind-boggling. It's all this year? Wow. All in the last six months. Wow. Whoa, yeah. whoa. Now, with traditional sports, you know, nutrition plays a huge role and what you eat before the game. Uh, even supplements, or you know, to, to increase or improve your performance. Is there anything like that in in, in the gaming? Are there things that they eat in particular? Do they take supplements? They I would do. assume something like caffeine is probably a big thing. Yeah, um, it's all new. It's a bit of a wild west. So there isn't drug testing yet, and I don't think it's a giant problem. Mm. Like I don't think the kids are on and uh, whatever ADD medicine to like make Adderall them, or Adderall whatever to make them. Uh, I'm sure somewhere, but uh, mm-hmm. when, when we, 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 it's pretty easy to monitor your guys because we all live in a house together and mm-hmm. they see each other 20 hours a day now with the four hours I sleep. But um, a lot of a lot of G fuel, uh, which is like more of a gaming focused powder supplement right before the match. Is it made caffeine. specifically for gaming? Yeah. Oh gosh, the supplement market's going to explode in this market. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. Smart. and the gamers endorse it and they use it. Um, uh, a lot of everyone has their own philosophy. Like we do, right before our matches, our coach um, has them scrim another team who are not playing that night. Gives them a, a little break, makes everyone take a nap, shuts the lights off, chills out, uh, and then they all eat something. They have to, and then they can do whatever they want for a little bit of time. There it is, right up there. Oh, what, wow. What about what we're, what you see like in profession, other professional sports, which is these kids that you know come straight out of high school or college that are not used to making very much money, and now all of a sudden they're making millions of dollars. Do you see a lot of uh, you know backlash with that or problems where as an owner, you guys are kind of having to manage that a little bit of these kids that are putting weird shit on their Twitter yeah. or like- it's Here's just, the funny part, not zero. Oh, because wow. they, it's so not- about the money at all. Wow. Like they're all like, all right, I'm going to take my money and maybe I'll, cause they, they told their parents, I'm going to go to college someday. <laughs> so I'm going to save that money. Uh, they don't have any time or any freedom. It sounds wrong, but to get into that type of world really, because they don't live on their own. Well, that's fascinating. So hmm. they live with us. They don't go grocery shopping. They, they don't do their laundry. We do all their stuff for them. So there's no like they just pocket their money. They don't do anything with it. They buy really, you know, they're into the shoes. They buy crazy, you know, sneakers, spend a ton of money on that, maybe a watch. Uh, you know, depending on if they're nerdy, they don't care at all. If they're, you know, Sinatra's got like the best shoe collection ever with his off-whites and his, you know, Supremes. Like, <laughs> that's about it, you know. But you do have to watch the social media. That's the hardest part because they're streaming, they're playing games, or they're just talking to their fans. And there's people who want to bait them, want them right. to click on things where where they'll open up something on their screen and there'll be something objectable on it and they'll get banned from Twitch or something. You know, oh, it's a sure. big game. But um, you just got to be smart. You know, we train them. We try really hard. Uh, there are also, some of them are very shy. We want to do promotions. We have our... Uh, our, our um, our big match up here, the Shock is playing the LA Valiant and Overwatch on November 10th, if I could say, in uh, mm-hmm. uh, Esports Arena in Oakland. And uh, it's the first time that they've ever played outside of Berkeley. So anyone can come and, and buy tickets on our our, uh, um, energy, our Shock uh, Twitter, which is at uh, SF Shock. And um, in those matches, like, 
they've they've they're you know they've never really been outside of that environment before, so they're kind of on their own interacting with fans, and you know they haven't been trained to do that necessarily. When you're playing a studio, or you're playing a giant stage, you figure, oh, okay, they they they're used to that, but they're not. They just go up on the stage, they play in front of twenty thousand people, and they go back. But now they're interacting with fans on a one-on-one basis because it's like a friendly match, and you have to we have to go through all this stuff. And some of them are painfully shy; they don't want to do any of that stuff, right? You know, to get the guys to do our hype videos for this match, we had to go through a couple of guys. Before before we got a good one because <laughs> it's just it's just not you know they're not used to being college basketball players right, right. you were saying they had groupies it depends on the guys yeah wow and it's just like regular fans like you would see with any other sport it is so it is there is. is there like a uh, a starting five and then you have backup players and yeah. you guys rotate them <laughs> yes depends on the game so for something like Counter Strike it's like these are our five guys and we only have five guys and that's that's the team for something like Overwatch we have. It's very sophisticated. We have 12 players on the major league team. We have another eight on the minor league team, and you can go back and forth. Oh, shit. Um, and of the 12, only six play at a time, and maybe three are solid. I'm going to play every single map. There's four maps in a game, but some maps have different... You know, It's not the same game. It's not like first quarter of basketball, second quarter, it's the same game. Third quarter, it's the same game. It's a different quarter. Here, it's map number one, which has a certain objective. Map number two, totally different objective. Some guys are way better at a control map than oh, they are right. at... Right, you know. right. So... Boy, it is sophisticated. So Baby man. Bay comes in and the third map, that's all he does. He's just... And he only plays one or two heroes. That's it. And if this map is... And if, if the coach says, we want his widow in there because he's the best widow in the world, and that's all he does. And it's time for the widow, Baby Bay's in there. And if he's not, he doesn't play. <laughs> it's amazing how much it has evolved already and how sophisticated it already is. That's fascinating to me. That's because when you say that, I think of all the other sports analogies. It's like baseball. You know, you yeah. have somebody, you have a, a pitcher, and he comes in literally just to go see maybe two or three batters sometimes. Like, yeah. it sounds like they've already gotten that far with the like game. Baseball's built around statistics. It always has been. So it took whatever, the last 20 years for, for teams and organizations, Billy Bean gets all the credit, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, Bill James, to understand, let's use all these statistics, you know, that we read in the newspaper for the last hundred years to our benefit. Over uh, video games are are not played on a field, and they're not played in disparate places at once. If you want to measure, it's all played on the same game, the same server. So if I want to see how people are doing, Watch I can pull up, lots I, of analytics. I, I can pull up every possible thing, every movement. You know how many times they were they they were able to get this this particular playoff. How hmm. many times they got killed? How many times? You know that plus minus in in basketball, like when you're on the floor, was there were you a plus or a minus? Like that's the biggest thing. Right? You can how tell. often are they tweaking like the the physics of the game and like some of that stuff? Well, the, there's two levels. One, the players sometimes are tweaking their, um, if you look up, Baby Bay has a video out where he shows exactly all of his uh, his setup for his computer. The tension that where his mouse is on, the mm, screen, mm -hmm. everything's to give him the optimal... Uh, like responsiveness. For that particular character. So oh, they do that damn. on their own. Yeah. For each character. Exactly. Uh, each hero. And the league changes the game unlike basketball which what only change in basketball you know from from the league standpoint over the last whatever bunch of decades it was a three point line you know the game is still played the same dimensions there's new maps there's new heroes and they change the meta so all of a sudden if you're in the Overwatch league and you're great at there was a guy um uh, Lucio. Lucio was fast and it could do all these cool things. And if you were Lucio, you were pretty powerful. Mm. And then, so we picked up some great Lucio players. And then when Overwatch League came out, they're like, this is the meta you're going to play on. We changed it. Guess what? Lucio is not important anymore. So you got a guy who's not playing because he didn't play any other heroes. And, that oh, yeah. changed, and they do that in the middle of the season. Oh, wow. they do? Yeah. That's dirty. Wow, middle of the season. Now, the, now, one of my favorite things about, adapt. about <laughs> traditional sports are, are the rivalries. 
and the shit talk before games and leading up to the games. And you see this in MMA, boxing, you see yeah. this in all sports. Are there rivalries like that in, in, in gaming where you see totally. teams? Yeah. Really? More regions. More regions. <clears throat> it's like the Brazilians love their Counter-Strike. You don't fuck with Brazil. They are like they will destroy your social media. If you, <laughs> really? like, we once made a joke because we beat one of the Brazilian teams, and that was a big mistake. <laughs> um, there's rivalries um, in states like uh, Envy and Optic are both in Texas. So it's like, who's the best there? Like, let's roll. But it's usually like... Asia versus uh, EU, Europe versus North America, NA. Like mm. you're, for Counter-Strike, it's all EU, EU. They win all the time, Eastern Europe especially. And there's never a good, yeah, NA's trash, NA's trash. You watch us play our games, it's all like, oh, NA losers, NA trash, NA trash, NA trash. And then if you finally beat like, you know, a big EU team like Australis, it's a big deal. Mm. Right now, for the first time ever, history is being made in esports this, this week where the League of Legends finals, so usually you get a European team sneak into some of the quarters or we've had an American team once make it to the quarters or I think that's it, like out of group stage, kind of like the World Cup. And, but it's always been like four Korean teams. There are no Korean teams. No. I think there's two American teams, two EU teams. There's none. So a Korean team is not going to win. An American team, Cloud9, has a good chance to win the Worlds for the first time ever. Oh, wow. And that just shows you how far esports has come in North America in the last few years. And, and we're and even, in, even having that conversation. Well, now you, you were saying, we were talking earlier about how it's male dominated in terms of who's playing, but anybody can play. What about the audience? Is it, is it a male dominated audience or is it, is it starting to grow? Yeah, it depends on the game. So okay. Counter-Strike, it's all dudes. There's not a lot of women. It just kind of, kind of strikes. It doesn't happen. <laughs> Overwatch, um, there's probably 75%, 80% of the guys who play. But if you go to the matches, uh, it's like 60-40. Oh, that's uh, a pretty yeah. even split. You know, where the boys are, the girls are, or vice versa. Fortnite, a lot of women mm -hmm. playing Fortnite. Easy, different games to play. Mm -hmm. uh, seeing a role model um, like the woman on Shanghai as an Overwatch pro has inspired lots of women, uh, women in gaming. Uh, at Cal Berkeley, there's a great women in gaming club. There's well, there's no reason that women shouldn't there shouldn't be half the guys on a team and half the women on a team. And any game, um, you know, if they're interested in playing. Yeah, my daughter, I have an eight year old, and she's super into it, and her friends are getting into it, and so I can see that that's a that's going to be a growing segment of the market. Is there are there there's different professional leagues or is this one main dominant one? Like when I think professional mm. football, I think NFL. Yeah, was I don't it called think any major other... league gaming there for a while or did that change? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a hundred percent dependent on the publisher. So okay. if you want to play Overwatch, there's the Overwatch League. Got it. And you can't start your own team and and be a Overwatch League team because say you're in San Jose and you want to start this Overwatch League team okay. to be because I own the franchise for Northern California you know anybody can pick up a basketball and start a basketball team you can't be in the NBA but you can start a team sure. this is different because the intellectual property of the game is owned by a publisher okay, so, so you that need makes permission sense. from them to start your own leagues okay so the professional leagues all are by these these publishers and mm -hmm. then when they say World Cup they have their different the, teams yeah. or whatever so that's got to be a home run for these publishers I mean if they can get a game out there that everybody that's what gets the behind is. and yeah, yeah. It's a Franchise that go on for decades. I mean, Overwatch should last for 20 years. Um, Call of Duty. We've all played Call of Duty yep. when we were growing up. Well, Call of Duty is a 
super hot because Call of Duty, you know, Black Ops coming out, you know, for Christmas now and everyone's playing it and everyone's playing Call of Duty again and there's Call of Duty tournaments and they change the game. It looks a lot like Fortnite now. It's a battle royale, you know, one of the versions of it, but they, they never die once you get a franchise. Now the yeah. businessman in me, when I hear about all this, I think of all the potential opportunities and the first one that popped in my head, which we looked up earlier, was the supplement that they take before gaming. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking of all the little markets that can start to like basketball we think of shoes right yeah are there are we starting to see other markets pop up from this like in other words like the gaming mouse you know that you use for your game or yeah. a special you know type of shirt or whatever are yes. we starting to see that yeah we we have great sponsors you know the endemic sponsors we have logitech for our keyboard and mouse for gaming mouse. we have op seat who's our gaming seat uh, uh headset sponsors um uh, there's um, a lot who help you with the gear. That's been around for a while, um, but now it's a big, big, big business. Mm. You know, I want the same mouse that King Richard uses, right. you know, or Baby Bay. Uh, in fact, if you look at our, our energy or either of our, of our, you'll see um, either of our Twitters right now. We just posted the new mouse that our players helped craft with Logitech, and they give their input as to what they need for the feel and how it works. So it's like Jordans, oh, but for yeah. for a mouse. You know, yeah, exactly right. And now there's companies that come up with uh, streetwear. You know, streetwear is really big, right? So um, we have Tiesto as an investor in our company. Uh-huh. 100 Thieves has Drake. Uh, we're talking to a very famous tastemaker to help design our streetwear. And they sell out very quickly when you do like limited drops. So, But there's also companies now that make gaming wear. Like I'm going to wear this shirt because of moisture or whatever, right? Wicks moisture away. Very similar to, to working out. Now we we're, we're, we have sponsors on our podcast and mm-hmm. one of them is uh, Felix Gray. They make uh, blue blocking uh, glasses that you wear when you're a computer. Are, are they starting to use that kind of technology? Yes. To, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there, there should be more of it. So there's Gunner, I think, which makes like computer vision glasses and other folks have been looking at it but uh, if you look around like a lot of people wearing glasses when they're playing and the eye strain is, is a big deal uh, but there's lots of brands moving in now because it's, you have a great millennial audience um, uh, you see supplements you see uh, camps you see um, betting I mean, we should talk betting if you're going to talk about oh, sports. Wow. So, oh, I didn't even think of sports that. is here right now, and it's going to be here in the same time that all the betting comes in the United States because Counter Strike is enormous in Europe for one because it's always been enormous in Europe. But you can bet on every game, oh, every shit. match. Wow. I, I mean, our team is getting so good, and I'm like, hey, look how many fans we have in Europe. And then I look at what they're doing. They're like, you know, please win, you know, cir- win by more than five, <laughs> and it's all like, there you go. There's our there's that's that's just came out right. That's Baby Bay with. Nice. With the new Logitech mouse, uh, wireless mouse, wow, right? Wow. Uh, they help design. Um, the betting is incredible. And I look at the names and it's all like Russian names and Bulgarian names. <laughs> like, these aren't our fans, right? They're making money off of us because we're winning. Um, and you'll see that in the United States. But And if you are a kid and you grew up playing, pick a game, Counter-Strike, you don't play football, you don't, you don't play blackjack. You're not going to the casino when you're 21 to play craps. You're not going to the sports book to bet on the Patriots because you don't watch football, but you think you know everything about Counter-Strike because you play it every day and these guys are your age. You're going to bet your money on this in the future. You're just going to pick your app up, boom, and you're going to bet on whatever your prop Mm. bet for that. And then the viewership is going to go through the roof. Wow. Who are the big super, because you know traditional sports have their superstars that tend to become ambassadors for the sport. Who are the big ones in in gaming? Right now, Ninja is the biggest in the world. Like You'll see him on the Samsung ads and he's a wonderful kid he play he's been around playing a bunch of different games and he hit it with Fortnite and he's smart and he's um he's 
uh, what's the word? He's approachable, meaning uh, you can interact with him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't look like, he looks like you, mm-hmm. you know, like you're a kid and you're like, oh, he's attainable. I could do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's funny and he's an entertainer and he's a great player and he's entertainer. And he's, uh, you know, he's probably right now, I think if you name the top 10 most recognizable names in the world, he'd be there. Wow. So and he well, makes a fortune. I was going to say, what would you guess his worth is? <laughs> that article says he's making 500000 every month playing Fortnite in his bedroom. That's just off of like subscriptions and donations off of his, you know, he's got it. I bet he makes a couple million a month right now, maybe more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. He works hard. Big Detroit Lions fan, so it's hard to like him. <laughs> but uh, he's a wonderful guy. Um, they're a great, you know, every, we have... Um, uh, you, you know, you want to break the stereotypes. Mm-hmm. So, like, like you, you look at some of these kids, like Baby Bay right there, just a big, muscular, handsome kid. He doesn't look like a gamer. You think of some fat kid in the basement, you know, mm-hmm. eating food and playing games. All that. So you're breaking stereotypes. Every mm-hmm. game has sort of their guy and breaking their stereotypes. These, you know, very smart, very different, very articulate kids. And I think the best thing about gaming is it's very community-based. So someone who's a great ambassador for the Smite community is very different from someone who would be ambassador like the fighting game sure. community, uh, uh, Smash and Dragon Ball and, and those games, very diverse, you know, culturally diverse, racially diverse. It's wonderful. And uh, just those kids, are they look and their ambassadors and their heroes are very different than, you know, than Ninja. Now, as, as an investor, what are some of the challenges you see with, uh, with gaming and in, 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 in terms of the organization or getting it to grow or just investing? And then where do you see the big opportunities? Yeah, that's a big question. So there's a lot of attention and money into this now because pro sports players, like our first real investors were Shaq. Uh, he's a partner. He saw it himself. He saw a Counter-Strike match going on behind him while he was doing the TNT broadcast from Vegas. And there was another, it was, he watched because he's a big gamer. He's a big nerd. He's the world's biggest kid. And he was like, I want to do this. And he called up Masterov because they're friends. He's like, I just watched this team Energy play Counter-Strike. Mark's like, you know, that's, that's my team. He's like, wait, you didn't invite me to do this? And we're like, yeah, you want to do it? And all of a sudden, you know, Shaq's our partner, right? But uh, Jimmy Rollins got in right away and Ryan Howard with us because they identified with these guys. Even Alex, uh, who's on our board. These aren't guys just lending their name. Alex Rodriguez is on our board. He's our board member. And he's like, I was 18 years old when I was thrust into the spotlight and I have something to say to these kids and I understand, I identify with them. So the athletic aspect of it kind of clicked. And then the business models kind of clicked and you Hmm. got the crafts in and the Cronkies and folks like that. So now, but we're still only in the second inning, really. Like we're just sort of formalizing our stuff. And the business models are challenging because we don't own the game. We don't own Mm -hmm. basketball. We don't own basketball. We don't own Overwatch. Blizzard owns Overwatch. And if they want to go right, we go right with them. Mm -hmm. And what might be right for them might not 100% be right for the San Francisco Shock or the Boston Uprising. So where are the big opportunities? I think the big opportunities now where we're taking our org is that esports is a very big, engaged fan base that's right at the center of the bullseye, but gaming is enormous. So I was, I was telling you guys when we first came in that we did this joint venture with a YouTube crew called Click out of Sydney, Australia. These guys are the, you know, some of the top 10 YouTube gamers in the world, guys and girls, and, um, and they play games on their own and they do six, 700 million YouTube views a month, which is insane. That's Think about crazy. it. I mean, it's bigger than any sport, right? It's, I don't know how many times much bigger it is than all the esports orgs combined. 
Um, but they all play games. Uh, Elliot uh, Muzelk, Mr. Muzelk, who is the you know the big star there. One of them. He was an Overwatch player. He was a captain, of, I think, or on the Overwatch Australia World Cup team. And now he's just an incredible entertainer. So he still plays games, and he has a community around him, just like we have a community, like I said, around the game. Now there's communities around individuals, and their audience is enormous. So what you want to do is unite these two things and capture the uh, the gamer, the lifestyle of being a gamer. It's sure. cool to be a gamer now. Drake just invested in 100 Thieves yesterday. Being a gamer is cool. So uh, I want gamer shoes. I want you know gamer lifestyle stuff. I can I want to play games. I want to talk to people. I can identify with with Muzelk or Laserbeam or, or, or Lachlan or these guys. Loser Fruit down in Australia, and I love that. I love the games they play. Or I can be a hardcore person, and I want to be you know I want to root on Energy's Counter Strike team or the San Francisco Shock. But they all are gamers, and I think there's a giant opportunity to create more of a gaming brand and more gaming content. It, it sounds like uh, a strategy now for these game publishers is they as part of creating the game is how are we going to make this how are we going to make leagues and how are we going to make people compete in this because it sounds like it's a big part of their well think about it they have Shaquille O'Neal now promoting their game for nothing because <laughs> um, because we're, we're we're one of the teams in there you know we do videos for we've had videos with J-Lo Marshawn Lynch he's one of our investors Michael Strahan mm. and Shaq all did the roster reveal for last season's roster for Overwatch League if they if, if Blizzard wanted to go out and pay all those guys to do anything for Overwatch, like right. it would have been oh, a fortune, yeah. right? But they're all investors in my company, and they they love us, and they wanted to be involved, and oh, it was brilliant. viral, and it was great. And so, what a boon for you know a great game like Overwatch. Absolutely brilliant. Now, where's your where are your teams located? Are they here in the? Uh... Well, we are trying to move. Our goal is to move everything up to the Bay Area. Okay. Right now, most of the teams are in LA because that's where the studios are, and that's where they play. Mm-hmm. Except for Counter Strike, who just is on the road. Who designs their workouts, their physical fitness workouts? Um, they're really on their own. They do it on their own. You okay. know, we have had people come in. Um, we 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 spent more time last year with uh, team psychiatrists or psychologists, Psychologist, sports yeah. psychologists. Okay. Oh wow! Be, uh, from the beginning of how to get to know each other, how to play as a team. Like we said, sure. they didn't travel. They haven't done travel ball. They hadn't go to college. They haven't played for multiple coaches. What's it like being a good teammate? What's it like being a good roommate? What's it like being a good teammate and going home and living with the same you know teammate? Mm-hmm. Um, and we spent a bunch of time. And then what it's like getting up on that stage because some of these guys are heroes in the practice room and they get up there and they literally are like, ah, oh. you know, they look down and they say, oh, there's 250,000 people watching and then they, they don't do they well. Freeze. They out, freeze yeah. up, right? Or they look out on the, on the screen and they, and they uh, you know, they, 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 they see, you know, 10,000 people in the audience. So that was, that was really important. And then it was about how to be healthy. So we brought in folks to talk to them about how to have a healthy schedule. And we, we really try and change their sleep schedule. Sleep is everything because they want to come home and they want to stream till two or three or four in the morning, especially some of our Korean players, because that's when their friends are awake and Korea are their fans. And then we get them up at, you know, 10 mm-hmm. and they, and then we make them work out and eat watch some videos, get going. Like, you have to get sleep. Uh, now it's going to be, because we have lots of interested sponsors from um, from the supplement space, from the workout space, uh, from the lifestyle space, who want, we want to show that they're healthy eaters, that they're living a healthy lifestyle, that, you know, it's not 
crazy gaming where you're just sitting there and playing games all mm. day and they never see the sunshine. So that's, I think, the next evolution. Oh, mm. wow. Well, if you if you need any help designing some workouts and stuff. We do. I guys love, love it. They love to work out. If you look at their videos, I mean, half of them are at the gym and you know showing their sort of transformation. We watched a video. We have. That's half, half of our selfish reason of having you on here is we, we saw potentially the need for people like us. That's what we consider ourselves experts in programming, writing programs for specific niche groups. And so... We kind of saw that in your guys. Yes, and your guys guys don't want to get ripped. They just want to be healthy. Right. Right. So that's what we we specialize in exactly. In fact, we have a a program that is like 100% correctional. It's designed just to look at imbalances in the body, Mm -hmm. and then and they're it's all body weight type stuff. It's not improving cognition. Right. Yeah. So this is so selfishly part of the reason why we wanted to have you in. We reached out to Mark was because we did want to get more insight on that, and we see the opportunity. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. Yeah. No, I I would love to, to. it is amazing into- when you see them come off the stage when they're done playing. They're like, oh, of they're course. Like, they're so, it looks like they ran 20 miles. Right. Yeah. Like their brain is fried. I can imagine. Yeah, because it's everything's going at once, you know. Oh, Allocate so many resources. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, I mean, that's a big, a big part. And studies it. are very, very clear and they show that, you know, the right physical activity improves cognition and improves hand eye coordination and speed, which is very important. And then there are specific types of injuries or pain that you'll get based on the whatever repetitive movement you do and there's very common ones that you get when you're sitting in front of a computer mm-hmm. or work or on a mobile device so. yeah if you're making let's, let's be honest if you're making 10 20 fifty thousand dollars a month as a professional video game player and you have an agent now which they all do and they have a lawyer which they all do you're probably going to want someone to keep you physically fit so you can keep sure. playing more so than you want your agent or your lawyer. Wow. Right. And they're all realizing that like the longer I can play, the more, you know, I can stream, the more hours, the uh, then I can mm. have a career here. Just like any other new thing, just right? like any other yeah. professional. Exactly. Athlete. Yeah. hundred exactly. percent. I mean, yeah. you see these guys that we're seeing like LeBron James and the, th- the things that he's able to do now at his age. And a lot of people don't talk about what that guy does when he gets off the court. His seven day a week regimen is crazy. Not it's tough. completely geared around yeah optimizing his body and putting in all the work like that's what you have to do now if you want to be at the elite level where we are now in in esports and the professional uh, the maturity of it reminds me i'll date myself but like i was yeah really young but i remember carly stromsky on the red Sox, and carly stromsky was considered aloof and uh wasn't a player's guy but he was the first guy to play uh, to, to be a professional baseball player, at least for the Red Sox, uh, 24-7, 365 days a year. He didn't have a job, right? Like mm. some of these guys in the 60s, like they had jobs. They were dentists, yeah. you know, in the off season. <laughs> they worked, you know, delivered boxes. He worked out and he ate and he worked out like crazy and, it, and everyone was looking at him like what is he and he bulked up and he was all about the off season was about getting ready so he'd show up at spring training the guy was ripped and the rest of the guys had to go drop 20 pounds because that's what spring training used to be about remember right. right and now it's the same thing I think it's like you can't be you know a slobby kid who's not getting any sleep and trying to keep up with the rest of the world it, it's, uh, of professional esports it it's happen. crazy to me how big professional esports is now and you're saying it's in like the second inning I how so, big yeah. do you yeah. think this thing's going to get I don't think any one game is going to be bigger than football, but you know, esports and as a whole, you know, everyone says esports and they, they try and lump it all together, but that's sure. every game, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and games come and go in popularity. But I think what's going to happen is that it's going to take up the mind share of the this generation of sports fans between the age of, you know, eight and 30. And so what if they're playing games and if they're watching their their heroes, just like, you know, 
people say, well, why would you want to watch someone play, you know, a video game? It's like, well, why would you want to watch someone play golf? What's the difference, right? Why don't you go out and <laughs> play very golf? true. Right, right. I, well, I like to watch golf because I suck at it and I love Tiger and I want to learn and I watch golf <laughs> videos to learn how to do better so I can play with my friends. No different, right? right? Yeah. So if they're doing that, they're not watching football. They're not playing football. They're not watching baseball. So they're not going to be baseball fans. And they're not going to be playing Little League and they're not going to be having their kids play those games. So at some point, there'll be a generational shift like we saw with soccer, like everyone invested in uh, MLS a long time ago. MLS been around for like, what, like 20 years now? Yeah. People don't realize it. but And they thought, oh, instantly I'm going to be the New England Revolution and have a whole bunch of fans. It took a generation of people to say like, uh, if you look now, like most kids love soccer and lacrosse and they're not really necessarily watching football. So I think it's going to put a dent in this viewership. And thus you see the Patriots saying, oh, the crafts, we should add this to our repertoire. Let's get a bunch of 18 year olds in uh, to, uh, you know, Gillette Stadium to see the Patriots and see an Overwatch. Smart way to wedge I, your bet for sure. I, I have to, I have to agree. I think it's going to, I think it's going to surpass uh, traditional sports because when my, when my boy is with his friends and they're all hanging out, none of them watch traditional sports. Yeah. They all watch gaming, and when you go outside, look. If it wasn't for the the organized leagues that parents put their kids in, right? I don't. I think they would die. They would have died by now because kids don't play outside. They like don't go they out and play to. wiffle ball all day. No, no they Kills don't. Yeah. Do do we see small leagues like that of gaming, like little league for like we saw you know with yeah. soccer and baseball? You're starting to see that. That's with gaming a big too. opportunity. A lot of money invested in high school now for high school programs, college programs, camps. Mm. Um, you know, like a few years ago it was computer camp, tech camp. <clears throat> you know, make your own game. Now it's like I'm not making the game. They it's like learn to play like ninja <laughs> wow. camp for the summer. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Now, wow. I, I want you to talk a little bit about virtual reality just because, um, I, I could see that being even bigger as you know, as it, it progresses, but uh, where are we at with that currently? I mean, are you pretty, pretty deep in, in virtual reality and where that is? Uh, a little bit like it, it's been a, a dud for consumers so far because yeah. the use cases aren't there. But there's no doubt that virtual reality, augmented reality will be here in our everyday lives before we even know it. Uh, you know, the first big mass consumer augmented reality thing was Pokemon Go where everyone was out mm -hmm. finding Pokemon. It was great. But um, for gaming, I think virtual reality, you know, will be everything. Like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll have my Beats headset on, I'll be listening to my music and then I'll just take the top and f put my visor down and now I'm in my own world and mm. I could be playing games. I could physically be moving. I could be in the game, you know. Um, there's been a lot of talk uh, about esports will be, I'll be able to watch it as a, as a projection because mm. esports is hard to watch in a way on some level because a lot going on. It's not like I'm just watching a basketball game from the seats, you know. Mm. Uh, if, if I projected down and I could look down upon what's happening uh, like you see those futuristic movies where everyone's looking at a table and they're moving you know pieces around All like, right. hey, yeah. it'll probably you know be like the viewing experience oh, okay. for VR hmm. before it'll be the gameplay mass gameplay experience but there already are places where you can go and get on that treadmill and I can fight things and I could do things so my, more as a fan and, and, and watching first what yeah, for mass yeah. for mass audience mm -hmm. yeah interesting when I've seen the gaming on because uh, I've watched a few on, on YouTube there's announcers and stuff talking about what's going on as well just like professional, regular sports. Casters are great. Yeah. That's, that's How do they keep up? That's, I think I'm most impressed with them. How about, we should give you guys, you guys should come down to Burbank and go to an Overwatch League match and I would sit love in that. the I would control love room. Yeah. The control room is insane <laughs> because there's six guys, right, on each side and they're, I'll have a GoPro on them as the player and then there's their player that they're playing, right? And they can switch it out during the game. Like you can die in the game and come right back as it's somebody else if you want. And there's all sorts of stuff going on between the 12 
thing, the 12 characters or heroes on the game at once and all different angles, you know, the, the ground angle, the above angle and uh, different fights going on at the same time. It's, it's very, you know, it's fast paced, believe me, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's like a orchestra in that control room. You know, they're like, Cutting camera one, camera two, cutting down. It's 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 incredible. I would, yeah. love to, I would, I would love absolutely this love to come down there and check. Now that out. I f- I feel like we kind of did this interview in reverse here because <laughs> I would be mad at myself if I didn't talk to you. You just kind of glazed over being I know, this lots of big things. this serial entrepreneur. That uh, you know, I know you sold you know one of your companies to Apple for two hundred seventy five million. I know that you worked directly under Steve Jobs. And if I didn't ask you about that experience and what that was like, I'd be mad at myself. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about, first of all, I want to ask right away because I've heard, you know, both that he's was just this genius and amazing person that I heard he was an asshole to work with. What was your experience like? <laughs> well, um, <laughs> I think you've hit a lot of the, the high points. Uh, if I had any hair uh, going, I, you know, at, at the time going into it, I, I would have none, you know, now, but uh, it was really stressful. So uh, he bought my company, which he reminded me consistently because, you know, <laughs> basically I bought you, I didn't hire you. So like, are you an Apple guy? You know, five tool athlete, he could do absolutely everything. World's best salesman, uh, unbelievably um, focused human being. And when I got in there, uh, I worked for a couple of years before he died. And so he, and he knew he was dying. And so he was going fast, as fast as possible to accomplish everything he wanted. And that was, that was, uh, you know, the most stressful time of my life for sure. Really? Um, and working with him, but I learned a ton, most importantly, just how to be an Apple guy, which meant, you know, how to simplify everything down to its core. You know, he would say things to me like, you're a complicated man. You use 12 words when you could use one word. You know, don't hand me a piece of paper. I don't want to read your comments. I want to think about my own, you know, my own, I want to formulate my own thoughts. And if you notice, that's Apple's whole, his whole life, you know, Apple's whole mantra. Like he, I remember we, 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 we did something to him and he's like, this is the most complicated fucking thing I've ever, do you even know where you work? Like I've spent my whole life simple, making things as simple as possible. And here you come and this is, I can't even understand why you would bring this to me. Like that's the way he thought. Uh, and if you notice, like the iPad was a revolution, right? But when you opened up your box and you got your iPad, what, what wasn't in the box? instructions yeah there's no directions yeah, right? right you go to an ipad and i it's supposed an to apple, work right away well you just it's intuitive yeah. right you go to an, you know an, an apple store and there's a three-year-old for the first time plowing through an ipad knows to do know exactly what to do that's simplicity that's the apple way right mm-hmm. in fact outside of the marcom office there's a there's a big uh uh display whatever i don't know what it is it's an artwork and it says simplify crossed out simplify crossed out simplify and that's it. And you have to go through that lens. And everything you do, not just the products, but how you talk, how you train your staff, how you talk to Steve. And um, it was a lot to learn coming from a startup where, you know, we had a couple hundred people running around doing everything to, oh, I report to Steve Jobs and I'm in a room every, you know, Tuesday with with Tim Cook and Eddie Q and Phil Schiller and Scott Forstall and all these guys who are just, you know, icons of the space and who've worked together for 20 years. And I'm in there just, you know, messing it up. <laughs> so you so this, you're talking about Quattro that you're talking about yeah okay. Quattro Wireless they we bought they bought it in uh, the end of 2009 and that was that was your startup mm-hmm. okay what year was that you started that and how long before you started to integrate that with Apple like what was that process I we got really lucky I started in uh, I started a, a company with my business partner Jeff Glass um, who is my partner on on everything including um, uh, energy uh, he started it really I joined it called uh, M Cube terrible name if you ever want to be in marketing don't name a company lowercase M hyphen capital Q-U-B-E. It was supposed to stand for Mobile Messaging Marketing and it was going to be a mobile 
marketing company, right? And it looked cool though. Right? It looks, yeah, like, no, no, no. <laughs> it, it looked bad. <laughs> Problem was, you know, this was early days and mobile marketing was not going to happen. So we changed the whole model and we became an aggregator and it was early days of text messaging. And if you were on Sprint and I was on Singular back then, we couldn't even text message. There's no interoperability, right? We couldn't be friends. So we, we did all that stuff and I learned about mobile and we sold the company to VeriSign out here um, for like $250 million uh, to, um, in like 2006. And I worked there for about two months and said, I don't want to be here. I want to do, I'm, I got the bug. I want to do my, I want to do this again. Yeah. It's so easy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, and, and I understood mobile. So we started the mobile ad network, which was Quattro Wireless. And we were really lucky. We were only in business for three years. And uh, I was at a Patriots game, believe it or not, in London with my co-founders. And we were like, we got to get away. We're killing each other. Let's go. Patriots are playing in London. Let's have a boys weekend. We went out there and I'm walking out of Wembley Stadium and, and the phone rings and we're all walking and I'm like, uh, they're like, hello, this is uh, you know, Steve Jobs. I was like, okay, hello, who is yeah. this? <laughs> and um, uh, I was like, guys, just keep walking. And I talked for a few minutes and talked to their head of business development. He was like, we'd like you to come in, we're interested in buying you. I was like, okay. And I hang up, I was like stunned. And I walked back up to the guys, like, who's that? I'm like, that was Apple. And they're like, what? I was like, yeah, Apple, Apple wants to buy. So they're like, fuck you. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I, I'm like, yeah. Eight beers and about six hours later, they finally believed me because they thought I was bullshitting them. You know, we were on a boys' weekend; it was all you know bullshit for the whole time. And um, that was in that was in like it was football season. It was in like November first, I think, of, of two thousand nine. And we went in November thirteenth to, to to make our pitch uh, to sell the company. And they were like, okay. And then um, I didn't get to meet Steve. And then they said you have to come back. Uh, it was like December. I have it in my wallet, actually. I have the little card because it was such a momentous day. And you, But you have to get by Steve. He has to sign off on this. Mm. And that was brutal. That was about four hours of oh, the most stressful time ever. Was he just I, grilling you? Or yeah, what? I was like, this is it, Andy. This is going to be the hell of your career. You're going to sell this company or you're going to fuck this up and everyone's going to hate you. <laughs> and I, I had my, oh my partner God. there. Uh, you know, I don't know if you have time for this. This is my favorite no, this story. This is great. Yeah. Uh, my partner's name is Ishwar Priyadarshan. He's, I wouldn't have been there. He was a head of engineering and he was a Steve Jobs fanboy. I mean, I knew Steve, but I didn't study anything. He wasn't like my idol, you know. I was, you know, this wasn't my thing, but I obviously knew everything about him that I could. But Ishwar loved him. He was his man. And we get in there and we're waiting and they prepped us for four or five hours. Don't say this, be careful with this, uh, you know, because uh, they wanted it to happen and they were great people. And we're like, okay, we go in there and Steve walks in and my heart sank because no one had really seen him because he was unbelievably mm -hmm. sick. He was unbelievably skinny and, uh, you know, he didn't want to shake our hands or anything because he didn't want any germs. And it was like, you know, he looked like a skeleton. It was mm -hmm. tough. It was tough. And the mood changed and we started talking to him. He asked a bunch of questions and then you realize like never getting a, he just destroyed you in every conversation. You know, it was unbelievable. And, um, he, uh, he asked Ishwar, well, what are our ads going to look? We're an ad network. What are our ads going to look like on Apple? And he said, oh, well, we can do this. So we can, he said, well, how is that going to work on, on our Apple phones or all phones? Well, Ishwar said, well, we can dumb this down a little bit. And then Steve just went, did you, did you just say dumb down? He's like, do you know you're at Apple? We're, we don't dumb anything down here. We're, we're not lowest common denominator. <laughs> oh, no. And he put his hand up in his face and he said, I'm not talking to him for a while. <laughs> and I was like, okay, it's kind of up to me. And um, you know, it, oh, it, no. was, and it was Ishwar. He didn't say a word for a couple hours. And, you know, Ishwar kind of like, can I? You know, he was crushed because it was his idol. And <laughs> uh, um, it went pretty far. There were some interesting things about there where he, you know, he destroyed us and uh, got the price lowered a, a lot. Uh, uh, as to when I came in, I thought we had a deal, um, but 
um, the funny part was, was, you're a big Boston guy, aren't you? I was like, yeah, you know, we love it out there. We're, you know, it's a big tech center. He's like, you know, there's nothing. You're in Waltham, Mass. And I'm like, uh, it's pronounced Waltham. You know, it's funny, everyone, you know, different Boston accents. He's like, you know what's in Waltham, Mass? I said, no, Steve, what's in Waltham, Mass? He goes, nothing. There's nothing there. There is no reason to be there. You have to be where everybody is and all the action is. So you all have to move here. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, it just went on like that, and then finally, and then he was like, you know, tell me about your family, and it was really interesting. But that was it. That was the the moment of wow. like putting for Ooh. dough for sure. <laughs> wow, fascinating. Yeah. So two thousand ten. So to, yeah, so two thousand. So two thousand six, you sell a company for two hundred fifty million. Then you turn around four years later and you sell another one for two hundred seventy five million. Did, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, I wish I kept it all. I did. My, I'm a lot of investors, <laughs> yeah. so it sounds wonderful. But I mean, we 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 made you know great money. It was a great experience. That was you know a three year. Three Three years of startup is impossible. That that is, you know, we're already past three years and you know energy just and just starting. So wow. that was really fast, and we moved out. Uh, actually, Steve told us that we did not have to move after all that, and um, um, he sent Peter Oppenheimer, who was the CFO of Apple, to come and tell our whole company. You know, I came out. I said I have a big announcement. Blah blah blah. But first, I want to show you what we're doing. And I showed him Steve introducing the iPhone, and then I said, "Well, what do you guys think? You know, the, the iPhone because it's 2007. You know, we're, we're just app stores just starting. You know, we're all into apps." And I said, "Oh, by the way, how'd you guys like to all go work there?" And then we brought out Peter Oppenheimer. It was great, and the place was, you know, ecstatic. It was, it was such a wonderful feeling. I really felt everyone was levitating that we were going to work for oh, Apple. Wow. It was the height of you know the iPad and the iPhone for sure. And uh, he comes out and says, "We don't have to move. You know, we're going to be in Boston. This is where we're going to be." And um, that's where we went. And we closed the deal, like, uh, actually, my birthday, December 14th. And on Christmas Day, I got a phone call. Hi, Andy. Steve Jobs. I'm like, hello. I do it. <laughs> and every, I had a special ring for him, right? And every time I hear that on someone else's phone now, I can I, I shudder. Like, oh, same oh my God. Because yeah. usually it was him destroying me, <laughs> uh, trying to teach me. And uh, the phone rings. And he's like, yeah, you know, uh, did you get a house yet? I'm like, what do you mean, get a house? He's like, have you looked in Los Altos or Palo Alto? I'm like, for, for what? He's like, free the family. I was like, I don't, I'm not following. He's like, yeah, I think you guys need to move. I changed my mind. I was like, Steve, we just told everybody we don't have to move. He's like, everybody doesn't have to move. Leave the crappy people here in Waltham <laughs> and bring the good people to Palo That's it. That's uh, what we did. Uh, <laughs> and we made offers to, I don't know, hundred some people and then most of them came. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. So what do you, so uh, are you funny. like Mark Mastroff too or do you have your hands in a bunch of other companies too or are you all, fo- it sounds like you're heavily Focus on the gaming. You yeah, tend- no, I'm not Mark, like Mark as much. <laughs> that, Mark, guy, that guy forgets Mark's his company. Investor, more, yeah. I'm more operator. So Jeff and I, Glass, we um, started a couple companies. So Jeff's on the board of Energy. We just started a company called HomeTap, uh, which is a really, really smart idea. Jeff's a really, really amazing, better entrepreneur than I'll ever be. Uh, he runs that out of Boston. And um, what's that? Uh, that is a, a really great. I think it's going to be a giant company or nothing. Um, I'm betting on the former. So the basic idea is that the American dream tells you that you should save a bunch of money, go buy a house, have your kids go buy a house, put 20% down to avoid, what is it, PMI, mm-hmm. and uh, make those mortgage payments. And someday when you're an old man, you can sell your house and go live somewhere else. And that doesn't work, right? The average person sells their house with you know seven years. But you have your biggest chunk of equity, your net worth is tied up in your house, and you can't tap your equity in your house. That's the word home tap. So if you want to, if you want to, 
it, it's if you really think about it this way, it's perverse. If you want to get money, your money, because you've been paying into your house that you own, and the money you put down, if you want to take money out of that, what do you have to do? Refinance. Refinance. Mm-hmm. You have to take out a loan on your own money and pay interest on your own money. Right. Where, where does that ever happen, right? So that makes no sense. So we thought, what's a, is there a way we could work, you know, and we've, we've had uh, lots of legal work and, and analysis from state by state. How can you sell equity in your home to someone else? So instead hmm. of taking out a loan or paying off credit cards, uh, I own my house and I bought it 10 years ago and there's $200,000 in equity here and I have a $50,000 college loan coming up or I'm $40,000 in credit card debt or whatever. I don't want to take out another loan. I can't even get it because I owe money anyways with a home equity loan, right? I don't want to do a reverse mortgage voodoo, but I want to sell off a piece of my house. I want to sell $50,000 worth of that $200,000. Oh, interesting. So you apply and we have investors, you know, who oh my come God, and, and they brilliant. buy a piece of your house. And we just started, or it's uh, mainly in California, so far in Massachusetts. We've done uh, six so far, and they're great stories. We have someone who, a uh, family who has a trucking business, and they couldn't get a small business loan, which is very, very hard now. So they put the money into that. We have another family who had like thirty, forty thousand dollars in credit card debt a month, and I don't know what you pay on that, like six, eight thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So they they sold off thirty, forty thousand dollars worth of their house, paid off their credit card debt. It's like, hey, I have eight thousand dollars more a month now because they don't have to pay that credit card right. down. They're not maxing out their credit cards. We have one for college, one for redoing their house, one for a college loan. Um, and the way it works is that now we're we're with you. We're along this journey over the next ten years. Most everyone sells a house within ten years, uh, and we're only looking sort of for people who are you know have a sort of ten year horizon. And when you sell that house, uh, we take, take a percentage. percentage of the appreciation. That's and, interesting. And oh. every ten year, for the last hundred years, houses have appreciated except for the 10 years of the depression. This that's, is that's a brilliant idea. I think it's a good idea. It is because hmm. then you have a lot of people who'd want to invest in that. Right. We do. We just raised some money. Uh, we're hoping that eventually we make it like an investable security. So like Fidelity right. is like, oh, I have a theory. My theory is I want to be in uh, lower income areas where I th- where these houses will flip over and there will be appreciation because they turn over. Or maybe my theory is I want to be in high net worth places. You know where for and I want to invest in families that are they're they're going to be empty nesters soon in those houses. Like everyone can have their own sort of actuarial mm-hmm. table of how it works. Brilliant. Well, yeah, I, very think, I think you're going to hit another big home run. I hope yeah. so. Hopefully, you know, that was in Boston and uh, um, we're just starting, but I think it's a pretty good idea. A well, lot of legal issues. Well, I want to take you yeah, up on I'm the sure. control center. I want to be invited down. Yeah, you there. guys should come down. I'd love yeah. you to meet our team. So we're all, uh, we invite you down to Burbank. Uh, matches for Overwatch League start again in uh, February, middle of February. But our team is, um, our Korean guys are getting their visas. Visas are a giant part of everything having to do with esports. Sure. Like imagine, you know, uh, our best player on our Counter-Strike team is Bulgarian. And so we've been to Australia and, and you know, uh, Kiev and London and everywhere. Like, I have to get visas and visas and visas and, mm. you know, visitor. Oh, it's crazy. Um, but um, they are just all going to be together for the first time in our house um, uh, and outside of Burbank in the next month. And we'd love for you guys to come down and talk oh. to them about having a healthy lifestyle. Oh, that'd be great. And we can oh, bring yeah. our, our, our recording team and everything and put it all that up. That would and be make huge. It, yeah. yeah. We would love that. Absolutely. I'll 100% take you up on that. And then we're bringing them all up here to San Francisco next year uh, or Oakland uh, we're not sure where we're going to have so next year everyone in Overwatch League all 20 teams go back to their home base Shanghai as Atlanta you know, London Paris is a new team in Paris and uh, so we need to have our training facility here which we're going to build out and love you guys to help us with that part uh, hopefully it's all going to be sponsored they're going to live up here and we're going to play our matches somewhere in 
Oakland or San Jose. Oh, so, we'll be there too, man. Yeah. Awesome. Be amazing. So yeah. that's our goal. And then as we build that, we're going to try and move every team up here. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Well, excellent, right. man. Thanks well, for coming yeah. on the show. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Fascinating. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely yeah. fascinating. It's right. a whole world. Like, you feel like you discovered this world. We just got immersed in it. It's right been there now. forever, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. All right, right thank you. Yeah, Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.